This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Prepare yourself. Prepare yourself 30 minutes from now. Sting. Sting will join the program. Not Sting from the police. Sting from WCW, WWE. I want to make that very clear. To be honest, that's the Sting I'd be more interested in, although I know some people would be much more interested in the other Sting. Lots of popular Stings out there. Gabe Neitzel, this is the Sting for you, is it not? Oh, I am super excited about Sting. I, I host a wrestling podcast. Check it out. Good Karma Wrestling every Thursday night. I cannot wait. We spent last night uh, probably about half our show talking about Sting because it's going to be his final match coming up this weekend. So I am super excited to check out uh, and, and talk with Sting coming up in 30 minutes. Am I allowed to hint at the fact that we have special programming coming up, Wilner, in the beginning of April-ish surrounding a certain event that... I'll say James Steele's very excited about. You know what I'm talking about? Am I allowed to talk about that? I know nothing about this. Are you being sly or are you no, is I'm that you serious. telling me not to say anything on air? <laughs> Handman, do you have I don't even know why I'm asking Handman. Handman, do you I have mean, any I know idea about, if I'm about what, to talk about? I know about exactly it? what you're talking about. I don't know if we have permission to There may or may Handman's not. Handman's in the loop and I'm not. <laughs> I got, I'll, I'll be right back. I got to go check with management. Wilner, if I were you, I I'd, I'd, I'd get organized fast. Finding out that information. There may or may not be a very, very big event coming up in the world of wrestling, which in turn may lead to a very special night of programming here on ESPN Radio. That's all I'm going to say. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fordenball. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Caleb Williams, quarterback USC, met with the Chicago Bears in Indianapolis at the Combine. He spoke with the media this morning about that meeting and some other stuff, trying to put to bed all this nonsense that he doesn't want to play in Chicago. Sounds like he'd play in Chicago. Sounds like he's okay with it. Hooray! And then the Bears, seems like they're hell-bent on bringing in a quarterback from this year's draft class. So let's operate in that world for a moment. If that's the case, that means current Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields is likely headed elsewhere. Our very own Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider, in Indianapolis for the Combine, was on Get Up this morning speaking about Justin Fields' future. Take a listen. There's some questions arising about sort of just how robust the market will be for Justin Fields. And, you know, you look at potential destinations, you start to hear a lot about the Atlanta Falcons uh, possibly being interested in Kirk Cousins if he gets out of Minnesota and hits the open market. And if, if he's their top choice and goes there, that takes away a spot because the Bears probably aren't trading Fields to the Vikings in their own division. Uh, it sounds like, you know, Pittsburgh talking up Kenny Pickett. Are they going to try and run it back with him? And if so, would that mean they're not a suitor so you do start to wonder as you talk to people around here if there's going to be a strong market I do think they will move him assuming they decide to stay put and make the pick I do think they'll move him but it could affect the value that they're able to get back in return for him all right so that's Graz talking about the idea that maybe just maybe it's Kirk Cousins to the Atlanta Falcons taking one potential suitor away from Justin Fields. Aaron Schatz, who played NFL offseason matchmaker on ESPN.com, he predicted the Falcons would sign Kirk Cousins as well. Falcons quarterback Kirk Cousins from Schatz. Cousins' success playing for Vikings coach Kevin O'Connell, a former protege of coach Sean McVay. In Atlanta, he could play for offensive coordinator Zach Robinson, who was also on the Rams staff with McVay. So more on fields in a moment, but let's drill down on this idea of Kirk Cousins going to the Atlanta Falcons. How do you like that for the Falcons, Gabe, given the fact that they're currently eighth overall in the draft order, but might not have their crack at one of the top quarterbacks because 
let's face it, they're probably not going to fall to eight. Yeah, they're a team that seems desperate for a quarterback because they have a lot of things in place. They're in a division that is very winnable in that NFC South. And them acquiring a quarterback that can get the ball into the hands of some of these great weapons that they've been able to acquire in the draft the last few years. I'm talking about Kyle Pitts. I'm talking about Drake London. We're talking about B. John Robinson. If you have a quarterback that can organize all that, and I mean, there are some questions probably about Kirk coming off of his Achilles injury. Kirk wasn't necessarily the most mobile guy to begin with. He was more of a pocket passer, so maybe you have less concerns versus he, he was more mobile. But, I mean, that would be a very interesting marriage in Atlanta because they suddenly become, uh, I mean, the heavy favorite, I would think, to win that division no matter what happens in Tampa Bay after they won that division a year ago. If you get a competent quarterback in Atlanta, that becomes a dangerous team. Do we all just assume Cousins comes off the Achilles injury and is pretty much back to his normal ways next year. Is there any reason to be concerned that like he takes the field and it's not the Kirk Cousins we remember? Because Cousins was pretty prolific in Minnesota. I know a lot of people will bang on him saying, this guy's never going to win deep in the playoffs, but he does win a decent amount of games. He puts up big numbers. He can run an NFL offense. That's something they didn't have in Atlanta last year. That's correct. And, and I guess, yes, because he's, again, I don't want to say he's like a non-athletic dude because he still plays in the NFL, but com- Compared to other quarterbacks in the NFL, right. he would be on the bottom part of athleticism. So, Mike, he can maneuver in the pocket. He can run when he absolutely needs to. But because he's more of that pocket guy, take the three, five-step drop, get the ball out of his hands relatively quickly, I, I just don't have as many concerns about him coming back from the Achilles injury than, I guess, a different quarterback. I, I, cousins in Atlanta, they're top six. They're top six in the conference, are they not? Oh, yes. You saw your way through the conference. You got to figure the Niners. I think the Niners are taking a step back, but they'll still be good. Okay. I think the Rams will probably be pretty formidable as well. That's two. Detroit, you probably can't overlook them. Green Bay looks like they're on the rise. That's four. If Cousins is is in Atlanta, I'm putting them above everybody else in the NFC South. That's not exactly a bold statement. And then you could throw Philadelphia or Dallas in there. That gives you five. Atlanta makes six. Like That feels like that's a top six team. That feels like that's a playoff team. And if you win the division, that means, worst case, wild card weekend, you're hosting somebody in the Dome in Atlanta with an offense that looks like it can score some points. You win that game, suddenly you're in the divisional round. And who knows where it goes from there. Like, that's a really fast turnaround for an Atlanta team that hasn't done a whole lot the last few seasons just like that. And let's keep in mind, you bring Kirk Cousins in, you still are sitting on that eight pick. That's another playmaker that can come in and help you this season. Atlanta suddenly becomes a very appealing team, which is why I bet them 50-1 to to win the Super Bowl not too long ago. I know it sounds crazy. It's not so much that I believe they'd win the Super Bowl. It's that I believe at 50-1, to once they bring in their quarterback, price is going to drop, so I want to beat the move. And then on top of that, once they get to the playoffs, if they get to the playoffs, you can start betting against them in increments, hedging out, trying to turn yourself a profit. That's a 300-level course we can get on that get on that down the road. <laughs> but I, they, they could be formidable with a guy like Cousins. They really That's- could. And that's what makes it interesting in a couple of weeks with free agency. If they can, if if Kirk Cousins gets out of Minnesota and, and they land him, suddenly, I mean, the, the conversation we were having about the draft earlier, that gets a lot more interesting because Atlanta then becomes one of those teams that comes off the board as one that would be looking for a quarterback and yep. would end up with somebody like J.J. McCarthy. So the, the domino and ripple effect that it would have if they went out and got Kirk Cousins, that would open up the door for maybe a different team that would have been open for Kirk. What does Minnesota do at quarterback? Because if they're you know if they want to keep on and hold on to Justin Jefferson, they need someone to throw him the football. 
We heard Graziano say earlier, Fields probably not going to go to Minnesota. They become a very interesting team to me of, okay, you've got some of these dynamic weapons. What do you do at quarterback if they lose Cousins? What happens to Fields if Atlanta's off the board? And as we talk about this, okay, yeah, maybe Cousins goes to Atlanta, so they're done. And you're not going to trade him to Minnesota because it's in the division, makes sense. And you play the game of musical chairs. I started thinking about this a little bit this morning. When Fields came out of Ohio State, he ended up going, what was it, 11th overall? I believe the Bears drafted him. The Bears came trading up, and you have to remember, they traded up with, uh, was it Matt Nagy was their head coach, and Ryan Pace was the general manager. They were desperate to save their jobs, so they traded up to get a quarterback so that they could hopefully buy themselves more time to stay in Chicago. If the Bears hadn't been desperate to trade up for Fields, he could have fallen. It's not as if he was that coveted coming out. Now, this isn't to bang on him, but it's mostly to highlight the idea that maybe there was this assumption made by many of us, myself included, that several teams would be interested in his services, and maybe it's going to turn out that the Bears don't want him and that a lot of other teams aren't interested either. I can't imagine the value for Fields is very high. I can't imagine the interest for Fields is going to be very high. Most of these teams, you know, we're talking about, okay, does he go to Atlanta? Does he go to all these different places? Part of drafting the the rookie quarterback is you've got time. With Justin Fields, you don't have that. My guess is at this point, whoever picks up Justin Fields, assuming he gets traded from Chicago, is not going to pick up that fifth-year option, meaning you have one year to figure out if this guy is going to be your starting quarterback. If he is, then you have to pay him, and that comes with a a whole different responsibility and how you're going to build up your roster because you're not going to have as much money for other positions because you don't have that young quarterback on a cheap deal. It it just comes with a lot of complications. So it becomes what team wants to take the risk. And by the way, I think it'd be dumb. If Minnesota offers Chicago the best deal, you just take that deal. I mean, you don't want him. You're discarding him. You don't want him anymore. Might as well get the most you can when you're trying to build up the team. That, to me, I would not just automatically take Minnesota off the board because they could be desperate enough. I don't know if anybody else watched that Packers-Vikings game on Sunday night late last year when they decided to start Jaron Hall at quarterback, but that yeah. was a disaster. Well, I remember like, that they game. Do, they do not have an answer at quarterback on their roster. It's Jaron Hall and it's Nick Mullins, and they're not crazy about either one of those, so that would be a team that could get desperate and maybe give you something a little bit more than what you were thinking you would get for Justin Fields. One thing I noticed uh, or I thought about, and, and nobody likes this idea, I would love to see Justin Fields in Miami. And everyone goes, well, they have Tua. He was an MVP candidate last year. I don't think Tua's the guy. I, I don't. I, Tua was not very good prior to the arrival of Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel shows up. He builds up the offense. He brings in a bunch of weapons. And then suddenly, you know, Tua's game is better. But if you go back and look at Tua in games against playoff teams last year, he was 1-6 in six and had a quarterback rating that was the pretty much the exact quarterback rating that Kenny Pickett had last year. That's who Tua is in games against playoff teams. He's Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett. Tua's going to cost $23 million. The Dolphins are like $28 million over the cap right now. Fields costs $6 million, and he's got an extra year. He's only in his fourth year. Tua's entering his fifth year. I know people think this is absurd because it's like Tua was an MVP candidate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put Fields in that system with the running, Devin Archan and Raheem Mostert and the wide receivers and Fields' ability to move with his feet. And tell me how that offense looks. No one would ever do it. Miami's not going to do it. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it would save you money, and I would love to see what he'd look like in that system, although I think that's just a pipe dream for another day. Gabe Neitzel, Joe Fortenball, Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes both have two MVP awards. 
One former NFL wide receiver says they have a lot more in common than we thought. This commentary, it might blow your mind. That's coming up next. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. First down and goal to go. Play action fake. Right side throw. Touchdown. Kansas City. McCall Hardman. McCall Hardman with the catch on the right side. A three-yard touchdown pass in overtime. Kansas City wins the game. Gabe Neitzel, Joe Fortenball, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Tune into NBA action tomorrow night as the Lakers host the Nuggets, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. You know that call by now. It's just Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs winning yet another touchdown. <laughs> winning yet another touchdown. Scoring yet another <laughs> touchdown. Winning yet another Super Bowl. Nicole Hardman, however, hell of a week for him. Hell of a Oof. week for him. Wanted to out the Jets, and then the Jets just took a flamethrower to Miko Hardman, talking about how, or insinuating, I should say, that he leaked the offensive game plan for the Philadelphia Eagles matchup to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, that's a story for perhaps down the road. Good grief, that's something else. It's like you just won the Super Bowl. Don't step in it. Just get the hell out of here and go on vacation. Why would you want to cause unnecessary drama? But... When it comes to the Chiefs and all the success they've had, people keep comparing Mahomes to Brady, the Chiefs, Belichick, all that stuff, right? And and for good reason. Chad Johnson 
Six-time Pro Bowl wide receiver, formerly known as Chad Ochocinco, formerly known before that as Chad Johnson. It's a vicious circle. He was on the Nightcap podcast. That's a podcast he does with Shannon Sharp. And he had this to say in regards to subbing out Patrick Mahomes for another quarterback and whether or not the Chiefs would have the same success. If I put Lamar on Kansas City, they win in the Super Bowl. Yeah, offensively, there would be a, a different offensive dynamic. It would be a different offensive dynamic. You have a great defense. You still got Spags. You got Andy Reid. Who knows? Listen, listen, stay with me now. Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin had a great year to, together. Yes. Can you imagine Lamar Jackson and Andy Reid? Boy, picture that. You talk about Picasso. You thought Picasso was creative in what he did? Now imagine Andy Reid and Lamar Jackson. Okay. Okay, so Chad Johnson is of the belief that if you take Lamar Jackson and sub him in for Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs are going on and winning just like they would. It would look different, but they'd still be able to win. Gabe Neitzel, your thoughts on that commentary? Uh, I think they'd pro- I don't think they'd win three out of five. I don't think they're going to the AFC Championship game every year. Lamar's really good, and I love Lamar Jackson, and I agree. I mean, Andy Reid is a genius coach. I th- he's, he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's one of the best of his generation, without a doubt. But also, he had a pretty good quarterback in Donovan McNabb when he was in Philadelphia, had some dynamic offenses, went to four straight NFC Championship games, but only went to one Super Bowl and lost that Super Bowl. Like, there's just something I mean, with Patrick McNabb puking on the Mahomes. field at the end of that game, too, if you remember. Puking I, on the I, field. I mean, I try not to remember that just because it was kind of, you know, it wasn't great. Yeah, you know, I was an Eagles fan. Like, I remember it. I actually, yeah, do you know, a few years after that, he was in Tampa for a game. I was near the, I had, I had good seats right around the 40-yard line. At the end of the first half, he was puking on the field at the end of the first half in that game as well. I saw it. I saw it happening. Uh, LJ Smith, I think, if I remember correctly, was the tight end. Saw it happening, stood up, looked at the ref, and was like, we're going to need a timeout here. Eagles went on (laughs) to go down the field. McNabb completed a pass. They came up just short of the goal line. Didn't have that timeout. Clock ran out. They got no points at the end of the half. Ended up losing that game on like a 60-plus yard field goal. A phenomenal experience as an Eagle fan in Tampa against a Bucs team that won like four games that year. But go ahead. Sorry about that. I mean, that's a fantastic memory that you have there. Um, Like an elephant. Yeah, but so my my overall point is like Lamar's really good, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. I I don't think if Lamar's the second best quarterback going right now because he has two MVPs, same thing with Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he's as close to Patrick Mahomes as say Tom Brady was to me to Tom Brady. Like if 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 Manning's on the Patriots instead of Brady, they've got a chance, but also there's just like something in eight, there's just something different about those two that they were able to consistently get it done in these crunch time moments that other guys haven't been able to do. You're expecting me to say that the, this, the guy that played as poorly as he did in most of the postseason games he's played in Lamar Jackson is going to be able to keep it together and, and do what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do over the six years? I, I just don't see it. There's no shot. There's no shot he's even winning one of them. No shot. I love the analysis Chad Johnson has. I love listening to him. I think he's fantastic. I just disagree with him in this particular case. First off, I love how the I love how this starts. Could you imagine him with Andy Reid? That's the thing with Lamar. It's always, could you imagine if they got him some weapons? Could you imagine if they got him a better coordinator? Could you imagine if they got him a better head coach? Why do I always have to imagine what it would be if someone else came in to help him out? Why can't I just see him do it? He's won two MVPs. Like, at some point, can't he carry the offensive coordinator? Can't he carry the weapons? Can't he carry the head coach? Does he really need to go from John Harbaugh to Andy Reid in order to win? Like, at some point, 
He has to do the winning. He has to make the plays. He's got to put the team on his back. It's one thing to beat Houston in the playoffs. Great. Good win. You were supposed to do it. You're the one seed. You had a bye week. It's another thing entirely to like win a tight game against Kansas City. Need I remind anybody, all three Kansas City Super Bowls, they had to come from behind in all of them. All of them. This one against San Francisco, they're down at the half. They had to force overtime, and then they had to win it in overtime after getting the stop on the opening possession. Philadelphia was leading, and Patrick Mahomes needed to score 24 points on only four second-half possessions. Three touchdowns and a field goal on four possessions against the Eagles in the second half of that Super Bowl win. And then they were down, I think, 10 in the fourth quarter against the Niners in their first Super Bowl win. Lamar's not coming from behind. Lamar can't play from out in front in the playoffs. Which teams were great? Breaks a tackle at the 15-10-5. Touchdown! He is a great regular season quarterback. Great regular season quarterback. He deserves those MVPs. But he is an average to below average playoff quarterback. And there's nothing that anyone can say or show me that's going to refute that. Because we have a list of games over several years in which he just doesn't get it done in the playoffs. He stunk in that game against Kansas City. And we're very quick to put it on coordinators and coaches. And in the past, we were quick to put it on wide receivers. Like at some point, the MVP has got to be the guy that steps up. Mahomes stepped up this year and took one of the worst receiving units in the NFL and took him to the Super Bowl and won the Super Bowl. That's what Mahomes did. That's what makes him special. You can't take Lamar Jackson, who needs all the help in the world to get to that level, and put him in that spot and then say he's going to do the same thing. No, he's not going to do the same thing. He is not going to lead you back in those spots. Do you know how I know that? I've seen him in those tight spots, and I've seen him not lead his team back. Yeah, that's and so that's the difference, right? To me, like you have all those those points, those those sample points for Patrick Mahomes to be able to do it. So when Patrick Mahomes, who didn't have a great AFC championship game, by the way, they really relied on that defense. It's not like they went for an offensive explosion. Exactly. No, they got an early lead, and the defense was able to help him out. And again, people don't necessarily always want to hear this because the Super Bowl is a team accomplishment. Like You need that help along the way if you're Patrick Mahomes. You need the help from the defense or somebody else to step up and make a play. However, he's done it enough other times where he's been able to carry it, whether it's been in the Super Bowl or other uh, AFC Championship games, that when the defense helps him out the one time, he goes, all right, you guys got me that game. Next game, I got you. Lamar Jackson realistically has played one good playoff game, and that was against Houston this year. If you look at the other games that he has played in his playoff career, it's been bad. It's been really bad. For whatever reason, he just can't quite figure it out once that postseason hits. Yeah, it, And it, that's the big thing that, that, that should be held against him. And his defense was more than good enough to win that game against Kansas City. Do not lose sight of the fact that that Baltimore defense gave up zero points in the second half of that game. At home. That game was tailor-made for the Ravens to win. He did not step up. Don't tell me about Zay Flowers or Todd Monken or anything else. They all had a hand in it. But LeBron does not get to skirt the blame. Like, he's the MVP. When he gets the award for the win, he's also going to take the fall for the loss. That's how the world works. It's why the quarterbacks get the most money, because they also end up shouldering most of the blame. He's Gabe Neitzel. I'm Joe Fortenbaugh. Gabe's been waiting all day for it. Sting, WWE Hall of Famer, joins us next, just days before his final performance. That's after I have this from Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and the experience to answer all your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. 
This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Big moment here. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. This Sunday, Greensboro Coliseum, Greensboro, North Carolina, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's AEW's Revolution. And it's going to feature the Hall of Famer Sting in his final match. And we are lucky enough to have Sting right here on Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Sting, we appreciate the time. Let's just start with this. How the hell are you today? Oh, uh, man, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm getting pumped slowly but surely here, getting ready for Sunday. Last one. It's a surreal kind of a time in my life for sure. Take us through it's that a little hard bit. I to believe that it's, it's coming to an end. Yeah, take us through that a little bit. You are a legend in the industry. You go back decades with historic matches across multiple promotions this is the week you're building up i mean you're probably hearing from everyone how are you keeping the mind right oh man well uh lots of prayer (laughs) (laughs) i'm definitely going to god quite a bit um but yeah man just 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 training like i always have um to get ready for any match it's you know all, all the decades i'm not treating it any different the only thing that is different is the stress levels. Uh, I would say that they're much, much higher because I know there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this match and it's my last one. And of course I want to leave a, a good memory for everybody. I want it to be a night that people will not forget. And, uh, that's, that's my goal. It always has been throughout my whole career. All I wanted to do, I didn't care about world titles and all that stuff. I just cared about, you know, the fans walking away going, oh, man, it was unreal. You know, <laughs> so that's my goal. So you'd already stepped away from wrestling and, and had a retirement, but what made you want to come back and wrestle and go to AEW in 2020? A phone call from Tony Khan. Simple as that. Um, I, I knew Tony even before AEW, before he was a part of AEW. And uh, he, he called and said, man, would you like to come back and play for a little while? And we ended up in a conversation on the phone. I said, you know how old I am. 
He said, we do. <laughs> I said, well, are you, you sure about this? He goes, yes, we're positive. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, in the beginning, it was going to be cinematic matches alone, a multi-year deal to do cinematic matches. And we got halfway through the filming in Rome, Georgia, and Cody Rhodes, who was with us at the time, and uh, Tony and Darby and... You know, a lot of the other guys were looking, going, dude, man, you can still go. You, you know, Cody says, your kinetic energy is off the scale still, you know. And I'm like, you guys, just be quiet. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I can't do that. <laughs> they talked me into it, and I signed a multi-year deal. We changed it up, and I decided to try it. And I thought, I'll just go one match at a time and see what happens. And I never, really honestly, I didn't believe that I would have gone this long. But... Uh, here I am, and I'm um, I'm kind of glad that it's it's over. But at the same time, you know, it's a bittersweet moment. Talking with Sting, WWE Hall of Famer, current member of the AEW roster, also one half of the AEW Tag Team Championships, which he will be defending in his final match, AEW Revolution, this Sunday live on pay-per-view. It's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio, along with Joe Fortenbaugh. I am Gabe Neitzel. So why now? I mean, you, you've, you've had a lot of success. I think the fans have enjoyed the matches you've put out there in AEW. Why was now the time to officially walk away? I mean, age, <laughs> age is definitely, you know, the, the biggest instigator here. But, you know, I, I think even aside from that, you know, I've, I've had my run. I've, there, there's, there's nothing left for me to do, really. Uh, um, I've had my time in the sun. And so it's time for me to get out of the way and let some of these other guys, the younger guys, come on up and, um, I, of course, I didn't, I don't see myself as being a hindrance over the last three plus years being with AEW, slowing these guys down. Uh, I've tried to elevate Darby. I've tried to help elevate AEW as a whole. And, um, I think it's, um, pretty safe to say that, you know, I've, I've considered others, um, before me <laughs> and trying to make everybody better. And so, but it's just, it's just time. Um, time, time to go off into the sunset. When you look back on a storied career, do you have one particular match that comes to mind where you say, you know what, that's the match. That is me at my all-time best. That is my favorite performance. Yes, it's a good question because uh, I, at my all-time best as far as wrestling goes, oh, man. Um, However you, you know, see it. However you they, see it. Yeah, the, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, I mean, you know, uh, the Clash Champions, that's the match that put me on the map. And then uh, August of uh, 1990, Great American, or, I'm sorry, July 1990, Great American Bash, the first, you know, time I won the world title and beat Ric for the title. I mean, that that's up there. So as far as wrestling goes, but as far as, you know, my, my character and kind of coming into my own, that was... Um, you know, Crow, that was, that was changing, you know, from surfer sting to crow sting and, you know, less is more, you know, didn't talk for 14 months and repelling out of, you know, <laughs> 300 foot high, you know, ceilings at the United Center in Chicago or a helicopter in Panama city, you know, um, that was, that was, I, I feel like I just kind of came into my own as far as my character goes. So I think I was at my best character wise, you know, in the, with the crow, at the peak of the crow thing. But uh, best wrestling was, you know, surfer sting. 
I mean, to that point, how big of a risk was that? Because Surfer Sting was such a popular character. You had won world championships oh, yeah. as that. But, I mean, how big of a risk was that to go to the, the, the crow sting, as you call him, and then not doing all the, the speaking and just rappelling down and kind of being this, this silent, cool guy that you ended up building into in WCW? I, I think it was a high risk. I mean, you, you look at the moments like the Shockmaster moments, um, and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm surfer sting for all these years, and all of a sudden, okay, I'm, I look like a mime up in the rafters. <laughs> you know, what, you know it, it, it's like, you know, what, what's he doing? He's not talking. He's just up there, and the spotlight's on him, and that's it? I mean, what's going on? So it's like, oh, man, it was kind of a scary deal, you know? And Scott Hall was uh, responsible for kind of giving me the ideas on how to change my look. They had done that really cool NWO video, Hall and Nash. Um, never forget being in Orlando and Eric saying, Eric Bischoff saying, hey, thing, check this out, this video. And the video was so cool, you know, real grainy, black and white, you know, it was cutting edge and wrestling was changing so much. And I knew I had to change as well. And so... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I knew my character had to change, so I, okay, I'm gonna risk. I'm willing to, you know, paint up like this. And, you know, Scott, one day he's uh, meeting with Eric Bischoff, and I happen to see them eating breakfast. And Scott goes, "You ever think about, you know, maybe painting your face white <laughs> with black around your eyes and black on your nose? You know, I mean, I mean your lips, and you know." wear a trench coat and put some gloves on, you know, I mean, he's just, I don't remember all that he said, but it was something along those lines. And I, I thought, oh man, that's just, I mean, you know, and I thought about it and, you know, I just, I ended up taken from like so many different personalities, and not just in pro wrestling either. I mean, and, and I took from a whole bunch and ended up with, uh, you know, this, this crow kind of a look and I was willing to take the risk and, uh, paid off so i'm just glad that it worked the way it did over your story career who are some of the others that were kind of your favorites to work with where you know you knew no matter what if it was going to be a televised match or or just a house show match you guys were going to be able to create magic no matter what you know i have so many people that you know me recognize me in the airport or at the autograph session or where you know wherever and you know they'll always talk about those matches with Vader. I mean, Vader really had an impact on people. They loved my matches against Vader. They loved my matches against Rick Rude. They loved my matches against the great Muda. And, and I loved working with all of those guys. I mean, I, just a great chemistry. Even Paul White. I mean, I, I had great matches with Paul White. Um, I had incredible matches with, with Steve Austin. <laughs> Way, way back when, I remember, you know, we were just like these younger guys, almost like, you know, before intermission, curtain jerker kind of wrestlers. And we went out there a couple times and just stole the show uh, early on. So there were a lot of guys I had great matches with. Um, I, I loved working with the, the big guys and always had good luck there. But, um, you know, I'd say Muda, Vader, Flair, uh, you know, th those were the top, you know, way back in the day. Sunday, March 3rd, Greensboro Coliseum, Greensboro, North Carolina, pay-per-view, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's AEW Revolution. It is the final match for the Hall of Famer Sting, who joins us here, Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Sting, we know you're busy. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the walk down memory lane. Best of luck this weekend. It has been a joy and a pleasure to watch you throughout your storied career. 
I appreciate it. Yep. Sunday showtime for the last time. We appreciate it. Good luck. Break a leg in showtime parlance or show business parlance. But yeah, that's going to be awesome. 7 p.m. pay-per-view AEW. All right. Nigel, you and I are probably going to nerd out during the break uh, going through all of that. Uh, But we have, speaking of nerds, uh, I think it's time for the Hembo Hammer. (laughs) You must be here for the uh, trivia challenge. Do you have the answer to this week's trivia question? Oh, I love trivia. What's up, boys? It's Hammer Time. This is the Hembo Hammer. Victor Wembanyama is on pace to become the first rookie to average 20 points and 10 rebounds since whom? Good luck. No foreplay there. No how's it going. Thanks for letting me be on the show. Sorry for constantly being late and screwing this bit up. Yeah, we'll contemplate it, and we'll be back with that next. Uh, Gabe Neitzel, Joe Fordball, Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. be here for the uh, trivia challenge. Do you have the answer to this week's trivia question? Oh, I love trivia. What's up, boys? It's Hammer Time. This is the Himbo Hammer. Great to have you with us today. Happy Friday. Alongside Gabe Neitzel, I'm Joe Fortinball. This is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career you'll love with flexibility, great pay, and benefits and one of the country's top workplaces? Come join their growing team. Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. All right. For those of you who have been sticking with us, you heard the trivia question before the break, but for those who haven't, let's play it again. Victor Wembanyama is on pace to become the first rookie to average 20 points and 10 rebounds since whom? Good luck. First rookie to average 20 points and 10 rebounds since whom? Gabe? I'm going to open up the floor to you. If you want to debate it back and forth, I'm like, oh, for the century on these. I've never been good at trivia. (laughs) I got a shot I'm going to fire. I don't even know if it's close to accurate. The guy's probably too historic, but I got my shot. Why don't you go ahead and work it through? You don't have to make your guess now. You can kick it around a little bit if you like. All right. First of all, that good luck didn't seem very sincere from him. It never I just want to put that. Yeah, it just didn't seem very sincere. Um, So the first thought I had was Tim Duncan. I'm pretty sure Duncan did it. Okay. But it also feels like forever ago at this point. Like somebody else had to have stepped up and done it. And if you've done it in my head, you've also had to have won a Rookie of the Year award. Because, I mean, guys grabbing 20, board, 20, 20 points, 10 rebounds a night is, is pretty rare for rookies. Otherwise, why ask the question? There you go. So I, I lean towards Carl Anthony Towns. Cat. I know he won a Rookie of the Year award. That's, that's where I'm leaning right now. I don't know if that's my final answer, but that's where I'm leaning. That's good. The first one that came to mind for me was Shaq. And then, much like you, yep. I thought, that might be going back a bit too far. I don't know if I want to stick with Shaq as my answer here. I don't even know if Shaq pulled that off 20 and 10, but the the big the big Aristotle, the big Nostradamus, everything he used to come up with. Uh, I will go with Anthony Davis. I'm trying to go a little bit more recent. I have mm-hmm. no idea if Anthony Davis had a great rookie season. I'd like to believe he did. It's possible he missed the entire thing. I have no idea how it works in the <laughs> NBA sometimes with some of these rules. You will be going with Carl Anthony Towns. I will go yep. with Anthony Davis. Two Kentucky products. Let's hear the answer. The correct answer is... Blake Griffin, he did that 
in 2011. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Hembo. Pleasure as always. Blake Griffin. I completely forgot about Blake Griffin. There was yeah, a time no where idea. it was like, do you remember when he was just living the dream with the Clippers and then got traded to the Pistons and you're like, oh my God, oh, that has guy. to be, <laughs> that has to be the most abrupt about face ever. Okay. But he did jump over the car the one time. That was pretty cool. All that right. Was, but that was sweet. Yeah. Back <laughs> of the dunk contest was still, was still fun. Speaking of Wemby, by the way, uh, goes up against Chet Holmgren last night, Oklahoma City Thunder in a matchup that touted the two rookies because it really wasn't supposed to be a competitive game. Oklahoma City was like a double-digit favorite. Oklahoma City's the two-seed in the Western Conference. The Spurs are dead last in the West. But Wembenyama's been having a great season. And when it's all said and done, Wemby plays 32 minutes, shoots 9 of 17 from the floor, 5 of 7 from deep. He records 28 points, 13 boards, 7 assists, 2 steals, 5 blocks, in 32 minutes as the Spurs stun the Thunder 132-118. I mean, look, I, I once he hits the 60 game, 65 game threshold, it's a pretty much a lock. He's winning rookie of the year. But what do you think of this kid this season? It's rare that you have this much hype and you live up to it. It, and that's the crazy part. Like, what? going through your mind and thinking of people who have lived up to the hype, especially that first year. I mean, usually it takes, especially going from European basketball, coming over here, trying to figure everything else out, figuring out a new culture. It takes a while. Plus, the dude is real thin. You figured that, okay, guys are just going to run through him. He'll have a couple of cool moments. But he has really figured it out, especially in the back half of the season. And that's what's been so fun. It seems like it's a nightly occurrence where he pins somebody against the glass, starts the the outlet trails and then drills a triple like that. That seems like a pretty common highlight at this point for Victor Wembanyama. He I, I, has he exceeded the hype. Like has he gone past what we thought he could potentially do as a rookie? If he has not exceeded the hype, that is our fault, not his. That's what it would come down to. Because I feel like I heard more about him. Correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like I heard more about him last year in the buildup to the draft with everything he was doing than I have this year. And I think it's because, oh my God, this is a generational talent that's coming. We all get excited. We all like tankathons and following these teams that are going to try to go out there and get the, uh, the golden goose who can change the franchise's history. And then he's gotten here. He's played 54 of 60 games. He's averaging 20 and 10, three assists. He's shooting 46% from the floor. He's been very, very good. Very good. But we just don't talk about him enough. So if he's not exceeding the hype, I think that's more on us than it is on him. Because he's been awesome. Yeah, it doesn't help that, as you mentioned, his team's last place in the Western hey, Conference. The Western is stacked. Yeah, the, the team itself isn't good, but he is a lot of fun to watch. Like if, if you find yourself flipping around and the Spurs happen to be on, or if you have NBA League Pass, hey, just, just flip over. Do yourself a favor and pay a little bit closer attention. Yes, the rest of the team stinks. The rest of the team isn't very good, but he is an incredible building block to begin with. And they're going to be making some noise here in the Western Conference, I think, very shortly. What? What kind of offseason are the Spurs looking at here? I mean, you've got guys that are headed for free agency. I know, I, I don't, no knock to San Antonio. I'm not sure. I've only ever driven through it. I've heard nice things about the Riverwalk. I don't know if it's a place that 
NBA players, young guys with lots of money, are flocking to. I do know there's no state tax in Texas, so that's got to be nice when you're pulling in $25 million a year. But do they have the ability to go out this offseason between the draft and free agency and like ramp this thing up to next year where they could be maybe like a you know seven, eight seed sort of thing? Is that possible? I, I think it's got to be because they've shown that they can win there. Like, if, if Milwaukee can attract Damian Lillard, right? Like, San Antonio should be able to attract a star that wants to play aside Wembenyama. I mean, we're not the only ones seeing this. This is catching attention across the league. And ultimately, guys want to win championships. This is going to be a real... Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 